Previously on the Sports Talk with Devin Wade podcast. What happens in the house stays in the house. Devin Wade hates Deion Sanders. But my sister Adrian, she was not having it. Every deja vu all over again. What in the hell did Deion tell you? You ain't swag, and you haven't taken the time to find out what swag is at Bazoon Cookman. You have this idea, you don't do your research, and then when you get there, it's not the University of Miami, and you lose your damn mind. It manifests itself in a lot of ways, but 22 is stupid. I've been there, I've been stupid. We believe in change and we're prepared for it with new techniques and new approaches. And as for our part, we feel that you're the best pieces of manpower available in this whole region. Let it go out there today, baby. Three, two, one. And once again, our mighty ship is back on course. Welcome to the Sports Talk with Devin Wade podcast. Mama, there goes that man. You Welcome, welcome, welcome to another edition of the Sports Talk with Devin Wade Podcast. So glad that you are aboard. We have a great episode, and I'm going to tell you all about that in just a minute. But first, welcome aboard. If this is your very first time, we certainly appreciate it. We hope to become part of your podcast menu. We hope that you join the community by joining the Facebook page. I'll tell you all about that and calling the sports line and all that good stuff. But welcome aboard. We love having you. In addition to that... Welcome aboard to all the people who are always listening, who've listened to every episode, comment, call, participate on Facebook, all of that good stuff. Welcome aboard. And finally, welcome to all of those who realize that the Super Bowl halftime show ain't for us. Now, again, I appreciate the huge tent that the Super Bowl is, and you have to make it a cultural event. Just can't just be for the football guys. So we acknowledge that. I think a lot of football folks acknowledge, okay, this is not for us, but it's okay. We like Rihanna, I guess, enough. You know, we get it. We know what it is. But <laughs> welcome aboard to all of you. And uh, we have a good show coming up for you. But first, let me tell you how you can become interactive and be a part of it. You can give us a call on the sports line 24 hours a day at 832-941-6614. That's 832-941-6614. You can join us on the Facebook page. It is the Sports Talk with Devin Wade group page. And you can like the fan page. You can post. You can. Uh, answer poll questions you can answer other posts you can be involved that way it's a nice community we have a lot of fun a lot of great people a lot of knowledgeable people are on that page and finally on twitter at wagesworth so those are all the ways you can reach out website man the website is a nightmare and one day i will write a book about my adventures or lack thereof with dealing with a website but I'll skip that for now. But this time out, we have a lot to get into. We have a great show for you. We have some headlines. In addition to that, we have some Sports E with Life on Lock. I hear from you guys in a segment that we call We the People. We have a Lamont Award. And from the Special Teams Unit, our guy, Terrence Harris from the Defender Network. Well, he'll visit with us. We'll have our resident DJ, DJ Anarchy, do his thing. And a whole lot more. So let's get started with some headlines. In headlines, there are so many things going on, including Tom Brady's retirement. Our Super Bowl matchup is set. The Pro Bowl, whatever that thing is that they're doing, that's going on. But let's start with the Houston Texans. So look for them on the cover of Jet Magazine and, and Ebony Magazine. This is the blackest franchise in the NFL because the Texans have hired their fourth consecutive African-American coach. How about that? This is the most inviting franchise in the NFL if you are an African-American coach. Now, I'm having fun with this because it's been quite an unconventional road to get to the fourth African-American head coach in this franchise's history with D'Amico Ryans signing a six-year deal, had a huge press conference today. I'm excited about this because, look, let me tell you, and I've said this many, many times, that I am not the biggest Texans fan. I'm not a, a big fan of the organization. Of course, I was spoiled in that I was a Houston Oilers fan. 
So you grew up with the likes of what so many Hall of Famers, Elvin Bethay, Curly Cope, who was a Hall of Famer mostly for what he did in Kansas City, but he still played here. You talk about Earl Campbell, Dan Pastorini, not a Hall of Famer, but a, a fan favorite, Bum Phillips, we love. You know, so I was spoiled with all of that. Then comes Warren Moon, Hall of Famer, Mike Munchak, Hall of Famer. In addition to that, the Fab Four with Givens and Duncan and Jeffries and Hill. So, you know, all of those things and all of those uh, teams just sort of etched in my heart. I love those teams. Never been on board with the Texans. And I've had a lot of criticism for that organization and specifically lately behind the way they did not support, first of all, how they came to hire David Cully, how he was treated, and then how they dismissed Lovey Smith without really supporting him and trying to make sure that he was successful. So I've been on the Texans for a long, long time. Never really have vibed with them. But if you look at it, honestly, this is the only franchise in the NFL that has had four African-American coaches. Now, of course, Romeo Cornell was an interim coach. But I looked at all of this. Let's look at some of the teams here. The Raiders have had two African-American coaches. And, and this means full-time coaches, higher coaches, and interim coaches. Uh, the Vikings with a couple of coaches. Eagles won. Lions won. Uh, Colts with a couple. Tampa Bay with three. Uh, who else with three? The Browns, in addition to that with Terry Rubisky. So I'm looking at this, and you would not believe it. And I just want to say, eat your heart out Atlanta. So, you know, if you want to think that you're the spot for upward mobility for the African-American community, take that. Four straight African-American coaches. But all jokes aside, this is a hire that I think I'm uh, is going to be really good for the organization. I'm really bullish on D'Amico Ryans. He was the hot name. And, of course, he had his history being a player here. Everybody loves this hire. I'm excited about it. I mean, of course, you have some question marks about who's going to be the offense coordinator, how much power we and influence will he have on draft day, stuff like that. And that goes with the territory, but he has a six-year deal, so he's not, he, they're not getting rid of him after one year. And I think that the entire organization is invested, and they need this to work. This organization is a laughingstock. And if they had screwed this higher up, now you're in kind of Cleveland Browns territory for the history, for the most part, Cincinnati Bengals history. And aside from the great eras uh, with, you know, Boomer Sison going to the Super Bowl and, and Ken Anderson team going to the Super Bowl. But they had long stretches where they were the worst team by far. And then other really bad organizations who had really long runs of being horrible. And the Texans, we're on the cusp of that. Now, I don't think that they're going to win right away, but I think this signals a new beginning, and I'm excited about that, and I think we all should be. And I think that in a city that we we have had problems with our organizations, the Astros and the Texans primarily, and if you look at the leadership, the Texans have had a, a black GM, now four head coaches, they had the vice president of communication, Tony Wiley, African-American, Houstonian. Kevin Cooper, head of media, media relations. Again, uh, African-American and local. So, I mean, there have been so many, been so many people within the organization that have been African-American, yet you still got a sense that this something wasn't right. And I think Bill O'Brien, I think, really brought a lot of that negative energy. Deserved or not, I don't know if... I, <laughs> I don't want to get too deep into all of those things, but it just was a vibe. And then, of course, the inmates running the asylum comment by Bob McNair, him not really wanting to deal with any outspoken uh, African-American players, just stuff like that that really has left a bad taste in the mouth of a lot of African-American fans. Now, not all, because they have a lot of African-American support, so it's not that. But for a lot of folks that we come into contact with on KTSU Sports Talk and people that I hear from, they either have sort of, they've been apathetic about the organization or they just don't want to, they just don't believe in them. And I think this, like the Deshaun Watson draft pick and again a lot of the stuff came out a lot of the emotions came out with the handling of the Deshaun Watson situation but at the end of the day this is something that everybody can rally around I think 
Now, again, a lot of stuff has to, to be done to make sure he's successful, but I think we're off to a great start. And so congratulations, and uh, we'll talk more about him a little bit later with Terrence Harris. You can give me your thoughts at 832-941-6614. The other thing I wanted to talk about was uh, Tom Brady retiring. And we'll have a lot of time to talk about that. But this time, I do think it's legit. I would have liked to have seen him with a season that was not marred by all of his off-the-field stuff with the divorce and all that, just to see. Now, again, I've never been a huge Tom Brady fan because I couldn't stand the New England Patriots and, and how they moved and what they did. But you cannot deny he is... I mean, he's the GOAT in a lot of ways. And I think that you can have several different types of discussions when you talk about uh, who's the best quarterback of all time. And some folks will just say, hands down. But then you, you pose different questions. Like, if you had one game to save your life, who would be that quarterback? Would it always be Brady? How much of a difference would it made, uh, would have made in his legacy if Marshawn Lynch would have been handed that ball in the Super Bowl in which they decided to pass from the one-yard line and really essentially give New England that game, a game that they had teed up and, and ready to celebrate. So stuff like that. But I don't want to be the, the hater guy because, of course, some people will talk about the flake gate and spy gate and all of that stuff, and rightfully so. Because if you're going to talk about the entire legacy, those things have to be included. But, you know, give me your thoughts on Tom Brady on the sports line or hit me up on the Sports Talk with Devin Wade group page on Facebook. Now the Super Bowl matchup is set. A Houstonian, well, he's from Channel View. Uh, Jalen Hurts and the Philadelphia Eagles are in the Super Bowl against the Michael Jordan of football, Pat Mahomes. And what Pat Mahomes did to get to the Super Bowl was nothing short of amazing when you look at everything that went into it. I think this is his most impressive performance. You Numbers aside, you don't even have to think about the numbers. This guy had a high ankle sprain. And talking to a number of athletes, that is almost worse than a break. People hate those high ankle sprains. They're hard to heal. They hurt really bad. They don't heal. It's not clean. It, it just lingers. And yet he fought through that. But not only did he do it with the injured ankle, this is a guy that lost three receivers during the course of the game. I mean, so he did that with not a lot of help offensively. I don't think they had 50 yards rushing if you take away uh, that long run towards the end. That resulted in the 15-yard penalty. That resulted in the game-winning field goal. So let's just think what he did and how he did it. And think about this. He's doing this in a season where people are like, I don't know. I don't know about this guy because you lose Tyreek Hill. What are you really without a superstar number one receiver? Well, what he is is the AFC champion. Again, I picked him and uh, well, the Chiefs and the Rams to go to the Super Bowl. And that all fell apart for the Rams real, real quick. And they were just horrible. The worst team ever coming off a Super Bowl victory. But Kansas City is back again. But Jalen Hurts, you cannot say enough about this young man. And I think he is a shining example of how to handle adversity. This guy went to Alabama, won the national championship, came back and got benched in the national, national championship game versus Georgia. Tua Tungavailoa comes in the game. They win that game. And then he sat on the bench for a minute and then went to Oklahoma. So I think what he did to be resilient and stick with it, a lot of people, a lot of naysayers, and this is what I said about him. If you go back to things I've said about him, I thought that he would be a professional quarterback for a lot of years because of his demeanor, how he carried himself, his dedication to working hard, and just being the right guy, doing what needed to be done. I didn't I didn't think that he would be a Super Bowl starting quarterback, especially this early. I just thought he was going to be a have a long, successful career. Not that he was necessarily even going to be a starter for the most uh, of that career. But I just thought this is a professional football player. But to see him evolve and grow and be bigger and better and grow 
faster than anybody anticipated. I'm really excited about it. I hope he's 100% healthy in the Super Bowl, but we have a great matchup, two African-American quarterbacks. And it's significant because this was, in my lifetime, a position that they did not want black players to play. They didn't, they didn't think they could lead. They didn't think they were smart enough. They didn't think that they were cerebral enough to handle the position, that and free safety for that matter. And when I came along, the first two quarterbacks, African-American quarterbacks that I remember were Vince Evans with the Chicago Bears and Doug Williams with the Tampa Bay Buccaneers. Now, I know you had Gilliam and you had James Shaq Harris. You had Marlon Briscoe. You had Eldridge Dickey. So there were guys, but I don't remember those guys. The guys that I remember were Vince Evans and Doug Williams. And then, of course, Warren Moon comes, uh, Randall Cunningham, others came. I mean, so it, it started to open up Rodney Pete. There were, there were many other guys that had come along. But think about this. Warren Moon had to go and win Grey Cups in the CFL to be allowed to be a quarterback in the NFL. They didn't want him as a quarterback coming out of college where he had success going to the Rose Bowl of Washington. He had to go to the CFL and not only have to go to the CFL, he had to crush it. He had to have historic success in the CFL before the NFL was like, whoa, we need this guy here. So I've seen the full evolution. And, you know, at this point, what's, what's great about it, not only do we see good quarterbacks, really, really good quarterbacks, like just transformative athletes, like, like you had Michael Vick and Lamar Jackson, but you had, you've had other guys. You had average guys. You've had bad guys. You've had all sorts of African-American quarterbacks, but this is the first time you've had two African-Americans lead the way for their team. So it's going to be historic for a lot of ways, uh, in a lot of ways. Not only that, the Kelsey brothers battled each other. This is the the Andy Reid Bowl as he's led both of these teams, these organizations to Super Bowls. So it's a lot to talk about. We'll get into that in our Super Bowl edition next time. So, uh, so many things are going on, and we're going to get into even more. But let's take a brief timeout. On the other side, we're going to hit you with some sports E, and then we're going to hear from you guys in a segment that we call We the People. This is the Sports Talk with Devin Wade podcast. Anywhere you get your podcast. Your children are the most precious gift God has given you. Their well-being is of the utmost importance, and finding childcare that exhibits the same belief is, well, non-negotiable. So why not end your search at Brighter Brains Learning Center? Located in Stafford, Texas, Brighter Brains is a licensed, family-owned and operated daycare that promotes an early educational foundation and provides an environment of love, safety, and quality care for children ages 6 weeks to 5 years old. For more information, call 346-328-3717 or visit brighterbrainslearningcenter.org. It's Shelly Wade, and welcome back to Sports Talk with Devin Wade. In the open, I talked about Rihanna performing at halftime of the Super Bowl and how, you know, it's not for us, the hardcore football fans. And you have to realize the Super Bowl is a huge event around the world and they want to attract as many folks as they can to the event. And they do this by having tremendous halftime shows. And so we understand it. We get it. And that's why we have a segment in which we talk about the world of sports blended with the world of entertainment in a segment that we call Sports E. This week in Sports E. Entertainment. Entertainment. The E is for entertainment. Hey, y'all, I hope your day is going well and just got a little better now that you're listening to Sports E with Life on Lock. Now, if you were a fan of or heard about the original Krispy Kreme, then you're in for a treat because Shaquille O'Neal is helping it make a comeback. The historic location burned down nearly two years ago, but recently O'Neal has shared photos of his plans to renovate the property and assured fans through social media that the famed Ponce location will be back this summer. According to sources, the community is excited about the new 
shop to come and looking forward to seeing that hot light sign come on once again. Now in other news, do y'all remember a few weeks ago when I told y'all that Michael Jordan's son, Marcus Jordan, and Larsa Pippen, Scottie Pippen's ex-wife, were dating? Well, it looks like they are going strong and there's even speculation that they've even taken a few indirect jabs at Scottie Pippen. Now, while them dating is already a little bit of a jab in itself, in my opinion, to make matters worse is that the two were seen standing right in front of a floral arrangement designed to look like the Chicago Bulls legend number 23 jersey. Now, it's no secret that Scottie Pippen and Michael Jordan, you know, had a rocky relationship and they aren't best friends, but even I cringed a little bit at the sight of this. I mean, it just seems a little messy if you ask me, but I mean, hey, you know, to each his own. And speaking of a mess, Shannon Sharp did his best to clear up his by apologizing for getting into an altercation with several Grizzly players and John Moran's dad near his floor seats at the Lakers game this past Friday night. In Sharp's apology, he said, I want to apologize for my behavior. He added, for the last six and a half years, I've preached accountability and responsibility, and I take full responsibility for what transpired. It does not matter what Delon Brooks said or how many times he said it, me being the responsible person, me having the platform that I have and having so many people look up to me, I was wrong. I should have lowered the temperature in the arena. Instead, I turned up the temperature and I let it get out of hand. He made several other apologies, including to Jeannie Buss, the Lakers organization, and many others. Now, my personal opinion, you know, despite your views on Sharp or the situation, I think this was the right thing to do. And seeing the footage of him and John Moran's dad chopping it up after and, you know, just clearing the air, it really showed good character on both ends. And that's what we love to see. And if you love to see and hear more of what's going on with your favorite athletes, then be sure to meet us right here next week for more entertainment news on Sports E. I want to thank Life on Lock for another edition of Sports E. She has a, a bright future. You have to keep an eye out for her and uh, check her out on Instagram. She does some modeling stuff. She does some inter other entertainment stuff, and she's about to blow up. So you definitely want to check her out, and we want to thank her for this edition of Sports E. In the segment, she talked about Krispy Kreme. Now, it's a battle here in the city of Houston. And for all my Houstonians, you can get in on this. So anybody who knows in this area, Shipley's, Hot Shipley's, or Krispy Kreme? If you, if you had your choice, Hot Shipley's or Hot Krispy Kreme? Well, that's, that's tougher than you think. I will say this. Krispy Kreme, and I haven't had them in a long, long time. Three of them will melt in your mouth before you even know you've eaten a donut. But Shipley's goes hard when they're hot. That's an H-Town thing. So I, I want your take on that. Hit me up on that. Shipley's, I mean, when they're both hot, when, you know, when both are piping hot, do you want the Shipley's or do you want Krispy Kreme? That's interesting. Also, Shannon Sharp, I don't know how much I talked about this on the podcast. I know we did talk about it on the inside of KTSU Sports Talk. Yeah, that was, I, I like that kind of stuff. You know, I'm I'm all for the ignorance at times. So we had a lot of fun talking about that one. But if you have a thought on any of that, hit us up 832-941-6614. And you might be in a segment that we're about to run right now. A segment that we call We the People. Time for We the People. In the We The People segment, we turn to you guys either with poll questions or take your calls at 832-941-6614. Let's see what we have. Hey, what's up, B-Way? It's Yale calling out of KC. You know, I have to give my shout-out to Chiefs Kingdom. Man, I'm pumped about this Super Bowl. I, I've been out here in KC for a while, and I remember the last season when, you know, we the 13th second game with the Bills. You know, we won and we had to face the Bengals, and I, I think we overlooked them. But uh, this year, man, they called for attention and they hung up. I appreciated all the trash talking, all the, you know, bulletin board material they put out. And, you know, I think they, they got a little ahead of themselves. And, you know, Pat did what he does and he showed up. Uh, I mean, he had that high ankle sprain. I mean, the syndesmosis between his two ankle bones, his tibia and fibula were basically being ripped apart from the inside out and this dude showed why he's the best in the game man 
I don't think any other quarterback could have done what he what he did just because of the you know he he practices those off platform throws, throwing off one leg, throwing to his not strong side, and you know his hard work showed up. He he put the team on his back, and I think he's just really showing his maturity. You know he. He was a later round draft pick, came into a great situation and, you know, just like any young quarterback benefited from having Andy Reid and having a good offense around him. But, you know, he's showing his maturity. He's stepping up. Receivers were dropping like flies and, you know, he really put the team on his back, you know, and, you know, his play really helps the defense out. And, and we see that with Chris Jones coming uh, possibly defensive player of the year and, you know, Frank Clark had a great game and those corners, you know, they're young, but, you know, they benefit from having Pat on the offensive side of the ball, sustaining drive, giving them some rest and, you know, putting them in situations where they can just go get the quarterback. And, you know, all this talk about, you know, who's the next young gun, you know, holding the candle to Mahomes, whether, you know, people want to say Herbert or Burrow or Allen, man, Pat, is in the league of his own, and I think he's showing that even on one leg. I don't think we win that game with Chad Henney at quarterback or, you know, anyone at quarterback just because of what Pat's asked to do in that offense. But, yeah, man, I'm excited for the Super Bowl, the the Andy Reid Bowl, the Kelsey Bowl. Thanks, EL. i tell you what, and we missed the last part of that call when he talked about the significance of the matchup between two African-American quarterbacks. But I couldn't agree more about Pat Mahomes. Of course, he's partial. He, Texas Tech, Kansas City guy. So he, he rolls with Pat deep. He rolls hard with him. But I will tell you this, I don't know why the national media, I mean, he really is like, I mean, I, and I say this, and I know this is thrown around. He's like the Michael Jordan or the Steph Curry of football. He really is. He does things no one else can do. And you can try to talk about Joe Burrow, and you can try to talk about Josh Allen or Justin Herbert. You could talk about all of those, Lamar Jackson, Deshaun Watson. He's one of one. He is that dude. Appreciate him now. We need to give him his flowers because that's a bad, bad man. Four, what is it, four or five, four AFC championships in a row or something like that, five AFC championships in a row and three Super Bowls, and he may win his second this time out. Man, that's a bad, bad man, and we need to appreciate him. And, of course, you can call us anytime, 24 hours a day. Leave a message, 832-941-6614. Going to take a time I still have on the Award and our guy Terrence Harris. This is the Sports Talk with Devin Wade podcast. Anyway, you get your podcast. For past episodes or more content, go to wadeswordproductions.com. Sports Talk with Devin Wade wants to thank our sponsor, Kofi Bankus and CoBank Homes. The vision at CoBank Homes is simple. And it stems from the belief that clients can trust CoBank to guide them to realize one of, if not the single largest investment decision they will ever make, their home. CoBank simply looks to build lifelong relationships through service. They do this by using faith, knowledge, and technology to guide clients through the process of achieving their real estate goals. Be it buying, selling, or investing in real estate, contact Kofi at 832 757 7950. That's 832-757-7950. Cobank Homes through Keller Williams.
it is DJ Anarchy on the mix. You can check him out on SoundCloud and on Instagram. You definitely want to check him out. He's the dude, and he does a lot around the city of Houston. He is a, a growing presence, so definitely check him out. But if you have music you want heard on the podcast, just email us, music at wadeswordproductions.com. That's music at wadeswordproductions.com. If you have music that you or a friend or fledgling artist want heard, not music. You, I'm not taking DJ requests like the Friday Express, but I'm saying if you have music and you want it heard, we'll play the snippet at the halfway point and an entire track at the end of the episode. Going to get into our conversation with Terrence Harris, but I want to first tell you what's brand new with me. Brand new, brand new, brand new. wanted to share this with you guys. Last weekend, I had an opportunity to take my nephew to his first TSU basketball game. And not only was it his first TSU basketball game, it was his first TSU versus Prairie View basketball game at the HMPE. And I have to tell you, I really talk about how wonderful the SWAC is and HBCUs are. And I really had a chance to experience it in a different way by sharing this experience for the first time with my nephew. Now, my nephew had already been, both my nephews had already been to a football game. But this time, Caleb went with me to the basketball game and he loved it. He got caught up in the pomp and circumstance, the band, the DJ, the cheerleaders, the dance squads, Calvin Murphy's Marching 100, whatever his organization, Marching Thunder, whatever they are, they were there performing. It was it was great. And of course, me being the host of KTSU Sports Talk and having a media presence, you know, you speak to a lot of people that you know. A lot of people come up to me, say hello, say hi, whatever, and vice versa. And my nephew was like, he's 10 years old. And he's like, do you know everyone? Does everyone know you? And I, I would imagine for him it felt like that. But in addition to that, he cheered for the TSU Lady Tigers. He cheered for the men. Every made basket, every shot. He was he was really, really into it. It's a, It was a wonderful, wonderful experience. And because of what I do and who I am, I got an opportunity to have him take a picture on the floor. I took him back to the press area where they were doing interviews, post-game interviews, and I got him a picture with Carl Nicholas. And I would tell you this. He, it could have been Shaquille O'Neal. He was just that thrilled. And the young man took a lot of time with my nephew. Then when I took him in for the post-game comments from Coach Johnny Jones. It was a great experience for him to have that backstage, sort of that, you know, behind-the-scenes access. But everybody was so nice to him. It was such a great experience. He'll remember it forever and ever. And I will tell you, if you have an opportunity to support HBCU Athletics, you should do that. If you get an opportunity, go. It is it's great. And the, the players appreciate it. The student-athletes appreciate it. In addition to that, it's just the atmosphere that you can share with somebody. And it's like nothing else. It's wonderful. And if you get a chance, go to TSU basketball game. Go to a TSU baseball game. Be a part of that and share that experience with someone young because it really can make an impact on their lives. So I just wanted to share that because I was so thrilled that he loved it so much. We were there for six hours, and he was good because it was a double header we were there for the women's game and the men's tsu went to double overtime versus Prairie View, and they ended up losing by like 15 points they got outscored 17-2 in the second overtime and that's the first time i ever seen a, a two overtime game in which there was a a 15 point difference so it was wild but the tsu tigers were rebound but that was a great experience and I just recommend that to anybody. Let's get into our conversation with King T, Terrence Harris from the Defender Network. King T is back again with the new topic. Our guy from the special teams unit, King T, Terrence Harris is back aboard. How are you? Man, I'm doing good. I'm doing good, man. How you doing, my brother? I'm good. A lot of exciting news as the football season winds down. The offseason is already ramping up. A lot going on. But let's start with OHIO. Let's start with Ohio. The Bengals come up short. A lot of controversy in the AFC Championship game, at least on the side of a lot of Bengals fans. What are your takeaways from the AFC Championship game? 
in Cleveland, we have a name for that team. It's called the Bungles. <laughs> and that's because they, they mess up every time. That's a horrible way to lose a game. I mean, lose a game getting a touchdown thrown on you. I mean, you know, or, you know, somebody intercept, you know, a pick six or something like that. You don't lose a game on a bonehead play like that. I mean, after your team has played its heart out, and for you to go and, 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 and make that tackle out of bounds, that was just ridiculous. I mean, it's a ridiculous way to, you know, to, to lose a game, I mean, and, and to have a game like that in. I felt for, you know, the Cincinnati fans in a lot of ways. But that team, even through coaching changes, I mean, Marvin Lewis went through the same thing when, when he was there. I mean, you know, they just, they're talented oftentimes, but they're just not very smart. That's what that comes down to. I would have been ready to fight that guy. Yeah, except for the fact that I think for the most part, Cincinnati was outplayed all afternoon long. And then even without the closer attempt, there was no guarantee that the team was going to win the game anyway. Oh, and you still had, look, what, eight seconds left? You could have thrown a quick yeah, out and still tried to. But you don't make that – but you, you, you want to you lose that game on the field. I mean, in, in, in the field of play, between the lines. You don't want to lose that game on a, a, a bonehead penalty like that. I mean, I think Cincinnati would have, if, if Mahomes had, had worked his magic and, and, and thrown a touchdown or got him down there by, you know, you know with the strength of his arm, but not on a, not on a penalty. So, but I mean, we agreed that that was a legit penalty, though, right? Yeah, oh, definitely. You know, we, there's no, there's no question, question in that. When you look at where that guy was tackled, at, and I mean, it just, it was, it was no longer necessary. Yeah, I hated for the kid because he was he balled out there you know all game long and they, from what they say all season long and uh, isn't he a UT kid? Didn't he go to the University of Texas? I think so. Yeah, yeah, tough. And then he blew a knee, I guess. So tough afternoon In, <laughs> injury to insult, I guess, for that situation. For, uh, pretty much, yeah. Yeah, what about on the NFC side? Anticlimactic in that uh, Purdy goes down on the first offensive series for San Francisco. Brock Purdy is out. You go to essentially your fourth-string quarterback, and he looked like a fourth-string quarterback, Did John, uh, Josh Johnson. What were your takeaways from the NFC championship? I mean, just kind of what you said. I mean, I mean like it was, it was just unbelievable. I mean, you knew when Purdy went down, okay, this is it. They, this is over. I mean, and, and then once again, you hate to see a game lost like that. And then, you know, for then even that guy to get hurt. But what I don't understand, and I think probably you'll see this this upcoming week, I think everybody probably may, will, you know, both teams for, for the Super Bowl may activate a third quarterback. You don't ever want a situation like that where you have to bring your your injured starter back out, knowing that he cannot throw the football. That was rough. I mean, that was rough. It was hard to watch. You know, you would have loved to have seen those two teams go out with a bang and you know both slinging the football around, uh, scoring touchdowns, uh, you know, making great defensive stops, all of those things. But you know, it wasn't to be. I mean, you know, once once you lose your starting quarterback, I mean. It was kind of like it was iffy at best, and then you lose the, the backup guy who wasn't great, but he was at least serviceable. So their third string option that day was McCaffrey, which I, I still feel like they might have been better off going with him as opposed to trying to put Purdy back out there. And they knew for sure he couldn't throw the football. Yeah, he wasn't even going to try to. He, he couldn't even really attempt to. I think he threw what like two passes. It was an ugly all way around oh. for the whole afternoon. But now we're left with two, and I don't want to get to the Super Bowl predictions until next week. But I do want to talk about the significance of two Texas high school football products in the Super Bowl's quarterbacks and two African-American quarterbacks starting the Super Bowl. How significant and excited are you for that? Well, I'm excited to have two brothers in that game because you know what that means. Because, I mean, if you're a black person, we grew up not, not really seeing us. I mean, you know, you, in the 70s, you might have, you had like, like Vince Evans maybe and Doug Williams, and that, that was really kind of it. And it's been a position that, that's been slow for them to turn over. And we haven't had that many brothers actually make it to this game either. We've had a handful, but now we're going to have both. So we, we can't lose. <laughs> you know, and, I, and that's the beauty of this. I mean, and I think you got two very young, dynamic, talented young quarterbacks who, um, you know, 
can do some amazing things with the football in their hands. And I think that's what I love most about it. I'm going to let y'all Texans have this whole Texas high school football player. Oh, yeah. Blah, 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 yes, blah, sir. blah. You know, <laughs> because, I mean, where, where they at during the national championship? Well, hey, they playing for other teams. He was in, yeah, he, he won with Alabama. <laughs> you know, he won one in Alabama. You know what I mean? I don't know what to say about that. Right, right. Yeah, I hear you. But I mean, like I said, it impressed me when Texas and Texas A and M, you know, make it in, make it in there. You know, and and you don't get a, a TCU to come come in there and just lay an egg, man. I mean, so yeah, I, I wanted to impress me with that. That's just a happenstance in my mind. But I'm gonna let y'all have it because y'all. Y'all are Texans. I'm from Ohio. <laughs> you know what? Yeah. What, what, it is? what Well, like is I said, it? pick your favorite Texas high school quarterback and, and, and cheer for him on Super Bowl Sunday. Well, I, 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 love, I mean, It's hard not to love Jalen. I mean, it, it really is. I mean, and when you know his story, his family, and, and, and how this kid came up, you know, what Alabama did to him after he won a national championship for them. And, I mean, like, this kid deserves it. Yeah, so, I mean, you know, so yeah, I, I mean, I, I mean, it's it's hard not to root for him and his family in this game. Um, that's certainly who I want to see win it. Yeah, and, and as we talk about the two young quarterbacks that are the future of the NFL, we saw again the retirement of Tom Brady. Seems like this is legit this time. Doesn't think I don't think he's going to come back now. Uh, what are your takeaways from the uh, retirement announcement today? I mean, he ain't, ain't got to come back. The reason he probably wanted to play football, he's getting a divorce from. So, yeah, he should be done. And, and apparently one of the networks is prepared to offer him some really nice coin. Oh, yeah. Uh, you know, to that was in place. That was in place last year. He, had, he, I mean, he can print money doing whatever he wants to do. Or do you think he'll be good at television? Because I'm not sure that he will. I'm not either. But, I mean, but it, I think, you know, they prepare those guys in ways. I mean, and I think he – he certainly has a lot of knowledge. so you But know, it's I about personality, can, too, though. You know what I mean? Yeah, I mean, it, it is. But, I mean, I think that, you know, it'll be interesting to see how that develops. I mean, because when you play for Bill Belichick, you have to be, I think, a sort of dry, boring, hey, you know, lull him to sleep kind of guy. But I think, you know, what we've seen, we've seen Tom be a little, a little more personable in Tampa, be a little more talkative. So uh, I, I think, you know, it'll be interesting to see how that translates into you know to being in front of the television but when you're making the kind of money he's making i think you have to know that you have to come in there a little livelier than you're, you're probably accustomed to being i mean you know robert griffin is the third who would have known that dude was going to be as great as he is because he was sometimes painful to cover but i mean right now in my opinion he he may be the best thing on tv right now i don't know i'm not oh i don't, oh, no, I don't, I'm not, ugh, I don't know about that mm. I, I, that dude is sharp, man. I mean, I mean he he's knows sharp, his, he's smart, he, he's, and, he said, yeah. and he says things that you're not really ready for, that you're not used to hearing. And I and I and I love that about him. I mean, I think uh to me he he's definitely one of the best best voices out there right now. And I mean, you know, but I also think that Tom is gonna bring a certain level of expertise to it. He's going to be able to do probably hopefully he can sustain what Tony Romo started and clearly has has, has fallen off doing. So I mean, you know, I think he's he's good. He doesn't have to come home to to his his his, his situation or whatever his <laughs> marriage anymore. He should have stayed retired last year, as, as we've seen. Well, I mean, I think that he had to have a better offensive line, and I think the statistics bear that out. That when uh, you know when he was had time to pass the football, he was uh, number one in pass efficiency. But when he when he was had to move at all. He, it was a problem, and he just didn't have any kind of mobility. And, uh, you know, I think, again, it's time. I, but I thought that he could have had a better situation. I didn't realize they wouldn't have any run game in Tampa this year. And I didn't realize how bad that offensive line would be. But, um, yeah, so, I mean, it was time, and we'll have forever to talk about uh, his greatness and his legacy and all of that stuff down the road. But big, big news in the city of Houston. D'Amico Ryan's the fourth black head coach in Texans history. Do you know we've had more black coaches than any other franchise in the entire NFL? Yeah, but, I mean, guys, you know, what is this? Let's see, and I love Romeo to death. I don't really count Romeo. Romeo was an interim guy. But that you was know, for 12 was, games. He got 12 yeah, he games in. Term, he was an interim guy. 
he was not necessarily hired by the franchise to to beat to lead the team. I don't think he was ever being looked at that seriously. I don't think he was being looked at seriously at all for maintaining or keeping the job at all. So I mean, you know, I, I don't really count Romeo. I but I mean, but it is still impressive, and I think an, an unprecedented to see a team hire three consecutive black coaches. And and I think you know now it's time. I mean, and, and the Texans have. have Taking heat for what they did to, to David Cully and, and Lovey, and, and 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 rightfully so. But I also think that people have to understand why Lovey got let go, and it had nothing to do with Lovey or what he did or didn't do on the football field or any of those things. What happened to Lovey is they looked at at, at that the Davis kid, uh, the, the the quarterback, Davis Mills, Davis Mills. They looked at Davis Mills and they made a decision. They realized he's not the guy. We have to move on from him. And in moving on from him, you had to look at Lovey, who's 64, 65 years old, and say, we know he's not, we've always known he's not the long-term solution. So we're going to draft a quarterback. We're going to draft a young quarterback with one of these first-round picks that we have. And we think it's better to start him with a a fresh uh, coach who will be here with him instead of changing at midstream, you know, while, you know, while he's still young. I mean, a lot what the Cleveland Browns did to, to Baker Mayfield during that time. I mean, you, you can mess a guy up. So I think there was a decision made that, hey, Davis Mills isn't the guy. He's not the solution. Loving them had been able to develop him the way that they hoped, then Lovey would have still stayed. But once they realized that, they, they, that it was time to make a, a change at quarterback, I think that's when, you know, it, it became kind of clear what they needed to do. And I think Lovey probably had already known what they were going to do, which is why he went ahead and won that game he shouldn't have won. Like I said, the Texans have a, a, a really – the brothers have trouble with the Texans. And, and right, like you said, rightfully so because they didn't really – first of all, I don't know what the David Cully decision was really about, about. I mean, obviously I know what it's about. It was about they were in panic mode because they couldn't – they really didn't want to bring in the guy that Deshaun wanted. And, he, and I think that they just said, hey, well, we'll just go with somebody to hold the place until next year. And then, of course, you had the Jack Easterby uh, situation involved and all of that stuff. But in both cases, they weren't committed to the coaches. This time, no. with a six-year deal on the hottest young uh, head football coach prospect out there, they are going to back this guy because I can tell you this, Nick Casario is tied to him because if if D'Amico fails, Casario is out of here. So everybody in that organization wants him to succeed, and I think he's familiar with the family He's from, that you know, owns the organization. He's familiar with the, how the organization, or at least how they used to be, and I think he'll operate well, and I think that a six-year commitment says that, yeah, we have to – to back this guy, and I think this makes it different from Cully and Lovey Smith because we both knew. I think everybody knew they were placeholders. Definitely, but now I, I disagree a little bit about Casario being tied to to D'Amico. I don't think that that's that's not really the connection I see. Now I think that if Casario does, it, it's up to him to make this relationship work because I think he's the guy who's on the hook. I mean, you know, oh, that's what I'm saying. Yeah, yeah, but 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 he. But the, but make no mistake, the the, the McNairs, this is their hire, and, and, and Casario, I'm sure, just kind of went ahead with it and said, "Hey, I picked the last two, they didn't work out, you know." And so, and, and because of his relationship with the McNair family, his relationship here, this was just a smart, this was the smart hire to make, and especially once I think everybody realized that going after Sean Payton was almost ridiculous. I think that you know, that's twenty million dollars a year he was yeah, asking it's for. Just, it's, it's, crazy and then all the other stuff you have to give up in terms of you know draft picks that sort of thing to get you know what they would want what the saints were wanting for him most teams weren't going to do that and uh you know it'll be interesting to see how it works out for the broncos but i I think that d'amico was really to me he was always the best hire and i said that from the start i mean you know he he was the home run yeah definitely the home run guy and i think now you have to you have to give him time. You got to draft smart, uh, and I hope that they, you know, uh, you know, he's in that draft room and being taken very seriously because his reputation's on the line, and he didn't have to come here. I think, um, you know, you you got to go ahead and and give him his opportunity and make sure that it's real. And if Nick Casario doesn't work out for him, I think they should go ahead and, and quickly move on from Nick. 
What and I'm, it's interesting. Uh, it'll be interesting to see who will be the offensive coordinator because obviously you're looking at drafting a quarterback at the number two position. You would think it'll be C.J. Yeah. Stroud or Bryce Young, and so that hire is going to be very interesting. And and maybe you'll look at a maybe a veteran uh, offensive guy that's had success in this league. I don't know. We'll have to see. And I guess yeah, you'll I find mean, you, you, you never. Well, I mean, I don't, the name that I that, that keeps coming up right now is the Cincinnati Bengals wide receivers coach uh, as, as, the, as the next offensive coordinator. I don't know how true that is, but that's certainly out there. Um, and so that, that part will be interesting. I think also, guys, I'm not 100% certain that D'Amico is going to necessarily want to, to draft a quarterback uh, with that second pick. I mean, you know, there's some other moves that they can make. Uh, you know, because I think you know you got to see what which veteran quarterbacks are, are maybe come available in free free agency. Because you know, starting over with a young quarterback, you know, and especially in a, in a city like this that's right now starved for something good to happen, you know, maybe starting over with a rookie quarterback may not be the answer. I mean, and you you certainly you know he has some familiarity with a guy like like, like let's just say Trey Lance. Well, you're not gonna get right. Trey Lance because he's gonna start. He's gonna be the starter in San Francisco. Are you sure about that? Yeah, I would say so. You give up three first rounders for him. Yeah, he's gonna you be sure your guy. That? But after, can you really put Purdy back on the bench? I think you can. <laughs> Man, I think I, you can. I, I definitely I would. <laughs> I definitely. Well, like like I said, I would say this. I, I, if if you have painted yourself into a corner where you've given up so much for Trey Lance and he really only played like one game. So you really don't – I mean, if they believe that much in him, they still believe that much in him. And we'll have to see. I mean, they have some decisions to make, but I think you have to get in the film room and break down the performances in ways that I'm not able to do. And I'm sure that the you know the coaching staff and Shanahan, you know, as good as anybody when it comes to this, can determine how effective Purdy was and what his upside is and all of those things. So uh, they really, really believe in Trey Lance. So I think he'll be yeah, back. But I, I wouldn't, I wouldn't want to be the guy who 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 starts in front of him because you have no no leeway for for mistakes. No, 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 no. You know, no downtime. This kid is he's seven and zero. I think right. Yeah. Well, he's had a, a, a lot of success, and it would have helped him to yeah. have not got hurt. And I think the- I think a lot of people in San Francisco who who, who really believe. Had he been able to stay healthy in that game, that they would be playing in the Super Bowl instead of the Eagles. Well, initially I picked the 49ers to win, not because necessarily because of Bur- uh, Purdy. I just thought that uh, the San Francisco defense was, you know, would make that one or two plays extra with a Jalen Hurts that's really not 100%. Even though, you know, he's playing, he's doing his thing, he doesn't seem like the guy that has so much success in the regular season from a health standpoint. And, you know, that's just from, from observing. So, yeah. you know. I mean, I also think it gets a little harder in the playoffs too, though. Yeah, well, of course it does. Although they didn't have it so hard playing the Giants, you know, with Dayball, the head coach. But, you know, that's an aside. But um, we'll get with you next week for sure. And, and of course, you'll be at the press conference tomorrow for D'Amico Ryans. And, uh, but we'll get with you with your Super Bowl prediction next week. So you got a week to work on it so you can go into the lab and, and give yeah, us who you think really is going to think, think about this more than I want to, but I will. Just for you, I'm, I'm going to think about it. I'm going to come up with a prediction, too. Yeah, well, that's what we're going to call for. Hey, man, we certainly appreciate it. How can folks reach you on social media? Hey, man, come check me out at, at, at Terrence Harris on, on Twitter. Go over to the Defender Network and check out my work uh, on, on, the, on the website there. You know, this week, of course, it's all about D'Amico. Next week, uh, we'll, we'll take a hard look at, you know, this historic uh, quarterback matchup that we're about to see. Um, you know, so I'm just trying to rock and roll and stay, and stay relevant with it. Hey, man, we certainly appreciate it, as always, and we look forward to talking to you next time. Sounds like a plan. To have your comments heard, call 832-941-6614. want to thank Terrence Harris, as always. We certainly appreciate that visit. Check him out on the DefenderNetwork.com and on social media. Hey, with that, there's nothing left but... 
in the minor world. I don't know to wish you no bad luck, but I hope your ship sinks. With no lifeboats and no life preservers and a school of piranhas surrounding you, you big dummy. The Lamont Award goes to the player team entity, someone in or around the world of sports we deem to be the big dummy of the episode. Earlier this episode, we talked about the Houston Texans and D'Amico Ryans. And this time out, we're going to talk about one of his teammates, a guy named Arian Foster, a really nice running back with a really kind of off-the-beaten-path kind of Kyrie Irving-ish. He was Kyrie before Kyrie <laughs> in his ways of communicating and thinking and some of the things he puts out there. He's really outspoken, really popular in the podcast world. He's done some great stuff, a great athlete, but he says some out-of-left-field sometimes. And so when you, if you don't know who he is, think Kyrie. And some of the stuff that he's done, not the anti-Semitic stuff or the alleged anti-Semitic stuff, none of that. I'm just talking about the flat earth kind of, you know, his way of thinking and the deeper look at things from his perspective. Arian has some of that. Arian also was on a podcast this week and he was talking to the host and the host said, hey, off the air, we were talking about how the NFL is scripted and you guys, how does that work? Do you guys get scripts? Do you practice what's going to happen? And sort of like uh, he was asking him along the lines of, you know, is this like pro wrestling? And so Aaron was like, yeah, yeah, yeah. During training camp, we get the script or whatever. And, and he goes on to, you know, they go on to talk a little bit about how the NFL is scripted. So at that point, the other host comes out and says, well, did the script tell you that in 2015, your career will fall off a cliff after you became an atheist? He said, hey, actually, that was 2014. So here Arian Foster is, a, a really nice NFL player, saying to the world that the NFL is scripted. Now, this comes, <laughs> everybody knows that he's Joke. I mean, ninety percent of people, maybe not even ninety percent, maybe maybe eighty percent of people know that he's joking. But there are a lot of people out here that are convinced that the NFL is rigged. And you know how I know this? Because I'm on Twitter. And so what people did, especially after the Cincinnati Kansas City game, is they dissected little plays and said, "Well, wait a minute, that was not that was a holding penalty that they missed." That the intentional grounding was not intentional grounding. They missed a play, uh, a block in the back. Now, all of these things, and they dissect them, and they put them on social media. They exclaim, the NFL is rigged. And this is like the Arian Foster statements are like catnip to these people. You know, years from now, there'll be somebody arguing with somebody else saying, Arian Foster, NFL running back, he told you guys that the NFL was rigged. Now, I'll tell you what. For the rest of us who know the truth, it's kind of funny. I, I actually find it amusing that he's rubbing the NFL's nose in it a little bit and sort of just being irreverent and taking his shots and just being a troublemaker in a mischievous sort of way. But I'll tell you what my script says. My script says that Arian Foster, you are a big dummy. You big dummy. <laughs> in a day and age where people believe in conspiracies in unprecedented numbers, I mean, it's unbelievable what people believe. Just talk about COVID alone. Just talk about people trying to think about child predators in the basement of pizza parlors. Just all kind of craziness that's going on these days. The last thing we need is somebody having fun with a conspiracy theory. Because there are people out there who are going to believe to their dying days that Aaron Foster admitted that the NFL is rigged. It's crazy because I can tell you this. All the NFL players I know, all the games I've covered, all the training camps, I've never seen a script that says, hey, <laughs> you know, this is what's going to happen. Because so many things would have gone differently had people had an opportunity to adjust the script. But it was ridiculous. It's funny, but it's not. So, Aaron Foster, you got to chill with that sort of thing. And, I mean, it's funny, but we just can't do that these days. It's not the time. So there's time and place, brother, and this is not the time, and this is not the place. But he had fun with it, I'm sure. With that, going to wrap it up. But before I let go. Before I let go. 
let go. Before I let go, I want to thank Terrence Harris. I want to thank Life on Lock. I want to thank you guys. I want to thank Brighter Brains, DJ Anarchy, Cobank Homes. Remember, call us on the sports line, 832-941-6614. And, of course, on Facebook, the Sports Talk with Devin Wade group page, and on Twitter at Wade's Word. And if you can't remember any of that, please remember these four things. Number one, I don't do no favors after 6 o'clock in the evening. Two, I ain't got no money. Three, I'm not harboring any fugitives from justice. And four, bye. This has been the Sports Talk with Devin Wade podcast. Remember, you can follow him on Twitter at Wade's Word. Thank you for listening. <laughs>